0: Welcome to Rugby Matrix America College Edition. This is show number three, and I'm Alex Goff with RugbyMag.com, and I am joined by Bruce McLean and Pat Clifton. So, hey guys, how's it going? Doing great, Alex. How are you? I'm awesome.
1: I Absolutely am awesome. As well.
0: Yeah. Well, that's good. It's it it's uh, an interesting weekend in college rugby, and we were concentrating on the college premier division as usual, but I think that. Um, What jumped out to me, first of all, was for the first time all season, we had a team that was ranked lower than their opponents who won a game, and that was Notre Dame, who went to uh, Baton Rouge uh, to play Louisiana State in in 80-plus degree weather and won 15-11, so good for them. That breaks our streak. I'm kind of happy that the streak is broken because I was feeling the pressure. And uh, just, just a just a quick rundown of the scores this weekend in the Premier Division. BYU played two games. They played on Thursday. They played on Saturday. They beat Colorado 94-5 on Thursday. And Air Force 93-8 on Saturday. Notre Dame 15-11 over LSU. Delaware 29-15 over Rutgers. Penn State uh, 30-29 over Cutsdown uh, on a last-second uh drop goal by Joe Baker and then 44-5 St. Mary's over San Diego State. So first of all, I wanted to get get some thoughts from you guys as to what you saw and, and uh, what jumped out at you, uh, especially considering we actually had, I guess, an official upset. We had a couple of really close games and we'd been talking about not having any close games.
1: Uh, The first thing that jumps out at me is obviously uh, the Notre Dame win. uh, That has to jump out to everybody, how big that was. And and to go down to Baton Rouge, and I mean, Notre Dame is traveling as much, if not more, than everybody else in the country in their conference. And and to go down to Baton Rouge and beat LSU, who you know wanted to get a win after being blanked um, last week by Arkansas State, that's absolutely huge to me. And they got down 11-0. They could have packed it up at halftime. You know, Notre Dame, frankly, is a team that's used to losing a lot of games. For them to show the resilience to come back, Down 11-0 and win, I think, says volumes about what Notre Dame is. I think it says a little bit about what LSU is, um, but uh, I think it speaks more to Notre Dame, and that's an extremely impressive win to me.
2: Yeah, the thing that really stood out to me was Rutgers putting in an effort and a result that was palatable in a 29-15 loss to Delaware. So that, that really to me looked and said, All right, maybe Rutgers is starting to take this seriously or maybe Delaware overlooked them. I'm not positive of that. But that's kinda I I mean, that Western Conference is, is just BYU is so much better than than everybody there that it's that I don't know how that's gonna how that's gonna start to play out as things go on. And Saint Mary's beating San Diego State forty four to five in a monsoon. On natural grass, kind of leads me to believe that there's going uh, to there be a few little. St. Mary's Cow is going to be a big game because that was St. Mary's season right there. That was the one that got him in the playoffs, in my mind. Then everything else is kind of a foregone conclusion, at least to me.
0: Yeah, the, um, the Rutgers thing is interesting because they were leading at halftime. And and, you know, while they're probably unhappy that they lost, the thing is that they were leading at halftime. And and uh, Jorn Haglid, a coach at Delaware, said that they gave him really hard time. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy for the teams that aren't slated to make the playoffs and and do something good. The, the comment that got me about uh, Notre Dame was Sean O'Leary saying that they weren't going to be victims of the fact that they'd been snowed under for most of the winter, that uh, there's actually a, uh, a a short slideshow on the Notre Dame website that shows them uh, doing push-ups next to the pool, that shows them working out in, indoors, that shows them working out in the snow outside, all kinds of stuff where they're just not saying, oh, well, it's been snowing, so there's nothing we can do about it. And on top of that, they then go down to Louisiana where it's hot, and they probably finish the stronger team, which is, is – that's a bit of a surprise I guess. So we've been talking a lot about you know crummy weather in the northeast, and, and Bruce, I know you talked about it a lot. You've been in the northeast. I've not been in the northeast, but it's uh, – can, it can it be too much of an excuse I
2: guess is the question. You could use anything as an excuse. it does you know you could use the referee as an excuse. You can use injuries as an excuse. You can use weather as an excuse. the The fact of the matter is you can't control any of those things. You can only really deal with what you can control and forget about everything that you can't control so that 's got to be the attitude going is hey is it ide-? it's not an ideal situation, but nobody's situation is ideal. Everybody has their problems. And in in, in all reality, nobody cares about my problems and nobody cares about Notre Dame's problems. And and to be honest with you, I don't care about Notre Dame's problems and Sean O'Leary doesn't care about my problems and and nobody (laughs) cares about St. Mary's problems and and LSU, I'm sure, has their own problems. Maybe Notre Dame is better funded by the school and LSU doesn't get the funding. You know, Everybody has an issue. Nothing's perfect. There is no perfect program and everybody has issues and if we're going to sit there... And accept excuses, then we're making we're making a real big mistake because there are no excuses. Deal with what you can control, and the result is the result, and that's all you can do. I really don't care about your problems, Bruce. So
0: I I, I totally understand what you were saying. It's uh you know I'm I'm tired of hearing about them. Uh, uh, what what about these rankings then? If if you're looking at the rankings, if you guys are are putting together a ranking, um. Who who moves up or who moves down drastically? Because it's really we only saw uh, eleven teams play this weekend, a third of the a third of the the CPD. Who moves up? Who moves down? I'll, I'll tell
2: you who moves down. I think Dartmouth moves down. Why Dartmouth? Because Dartmouth didn't. Dartmouth was up ten to five on Delaware with no time left. And and wound up scoring a try to go 15-5, and Delaware was losing the Delaware was losing the Rutgers at halftime, and and then they they didn't you know they, they didn't really have a comprehensive win against a Rutgers team that they should have had a comprehensive win against, based on that. So then I would I would probably look and say Penn State would be I would move Penn State and Kutztown up, and I would move I would move Rutgers back. Uh, Sorry, I would move uh, Penn State and Kutztown up. Penn State and Kutztown, I would move up closer to where you would rank somebody who's going to make the Eastern playoff thing. I think Army's going to make the Eastern playoffs, but I think the the real game is going to be the Kutztown-Delaware game. Kutztown-Delaware-Dartmouth. Maybe Penn State could be – maybe Penn State could be better. Maybe Navy. I don't – you know, I'm – Hey, look, I don't know. Well, you you it's, it's, it's I don't have a lot of science. I mean, is is there any, is there any science to the way you do it? I don't know, but uh, but I would just
0: there's there's a sort of science. When you say you, well, like but like your whole
2: three points per ranking oh, thing, that's, or That's, that's, that's all. We're just we're just playing. I know you're just having a little fun, but
0: we're just playing <laughs> yeah. around. And, and it, it yeah. totally didn't work this year, this week. But uh, uh, the 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 fact that you say you don't know is not a bad thing because you're you're identifying the place where we we do not know, which
2: we're identifying the one place
0: in the country where the playoffs are not an absolute foregone conclusion. Well, we'll talk about that in a few minutes because I'm curious about whether that's true or not. But
1: uh, uh, well, some of the obvious answers yeah. here are Notre Dame. Obviously, I think has to move up with a win. <laughs> they have to jump over you know winless Tennessee um i think you strongly consider jumping them over air force and colorado um and frankly oklahoma as well uh i think notre dame should climb um because they got a true road win and uh you know they're one and oh and undefeated so far so i think they have to climb a little bit um the other obvious one is uh
0: um uh, the other kutztown. obvious one is
1: kutztown yeah. kutztown has to move up kutztown is <laughs> quite a few slots so what is it eight slots not, yeah, eight slots below Pitt at Penn State, and then uh, I think you have to slide them up. Um, you know, One-point loss at home, uh, obviously they have to slide up, and Kutztown and proved that they're going to be tough. And, yeah, I think that East, that East League is going to be extremely tough. I think that there is a four-way race, and all, all those teams have a shot to make the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I, I, I could see that. Now, the thing about the rankings, for people who are listening, is that you, you do have to grade the different kinds of results. A win on the road. A league serious win on the road is a very high-ranking result. That's why you're right. Notre Dame has got to go up. They've got to go ahead of LSU. They've got to go ahead of a bunch of others. You, When we have people arguing with us about rankings, it's usually something along the lines of, uh, well, we lost to a very good team, and we were in it for 60 minutes, and we lost 45 to 18. That's not really something that you can really point to and say, well, that was really close, and that's worth moving you up for. We might decide not to move you down because you hung in there, but moving you up on a loss like that, you don't do that. But a real close loss, clearly, Kutztown and Penn State, that game could have gone either way. They could have missed – they weren't going to miss the drop goal because the drop goal was kicked on a a penalty advantage. They would have had a penalty right in front of the post. Game was over anyway, but – They had a couple of uh, breakaways callback on forward passes, had one of those not been called. I'm not saying they shouldn't have been called. I'm just saying, you know, somebody missed it or maybe the pass was done a little bit better. Just one little thing, game is a different game. So certainly Kutztown, now they were ranked 18 partly because we were waiting. We were waiting to see what they would do. Well, they just did something. It is really tough then when you start looking at some of the other stuff like Delaware at uh, at eleven, beating Rutgers at thirty one twenty nine fifteen. Is that good enough to move Rutgers up, or move Delaware down? And Bruce, you mentioned that Dartmouth has to move down because they barely beat a Delaware team that had trouble with the number thirty one team, and and that is perfectly logical. Rutgers Rutgers was close to Delaware. Therefore Delaware maybe bumps down to say 16. Let's just pick a number. And and because Dartmouth was so close to Delaware, Dartmouth at 8 should move down to say 14. But what if you flip it around? What if you decide to say Dartmouth is still as good as we think they are and Delaware is still as good as we think we they are. So we should move Rutgers up. You could you could make that determination as well. There is a connection that I think you do? You know, you, there's, I there's you Army, uh, I, I there's Army as well. There's Army as well because Army, Army blew them out. But, yeah, you've got to make that decision.
1: You know, I, I, I would make the argument that Delaware has to – or Dartmouth has to stay put. For the A, you know, we talk about each other's problems and how they don't matter. But I think the fact that uh, their junior class, their entire junior class, wasn't on campus the entire winter trimester. And they go and had not been training with their team. That's a tangible – real problem and then they go and win on the road anyways i don't care what the score was and they went and won on the road against the delaware team that people respect i think dartmouth's uh, even though it was a close game i think dartmouth should stay stay put and if you're going to jump anybody over them i would only do central washington but uh, i think dartmouth has a real argument and if i'm a Rutgers fan i'm arguing too especially as bad as colorado state wyoming and uc davis have looked um but at the same time uh is anybody going to argue that the leagues UC Davis, Wyoming, and Colorado State play in are worse than the East? I'm not.
0: Yeah, it's it's very difficult because we don't have the crossover stuff. But you know, just win, baby, right? If you get a win, you should get credit for the win. And uh, if you don't, if you don't play, I think that's on a weekend. It's something something big has to happen to get you to move ahead of somebody. So we wait until somebody plays. Uh, so it's it's it is a difficult decision, and there are always going to be people to complain about that. And really, I don't think anybody wants to be ranked last, because that's what it is. That's what it is. Because it, 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 in every other division, we're ranking the top 25, and if you're not in the 25, you're still you still you can say you're close. But here, we're ranking every single team in the entire competition, so somebody's ranked last, which stinks. It's just too bad, but um you know it 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 is going to happen to someone and uh you know those those bottom four or five they're 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 looking at the possibility uh playoffs and bruce you mentioned this i think last week and i think you mentioned it the week before but definitely last week and you just mentioned it again about what the playoff scenario looks like and it and you tell me if I'm wrong, but I think what you were saying was: Cal and Saint Mary's in the Pacific. BYU definitely in the West. Then maybe a question mark. Life in Arkansas. Question mark on what? Ah, well, okay, okay, all right. Life in Ar- Arkansas State in the mid South, and then Army and somebody else in the East. So, okay. The only
2: question I have is Army and someone else. It's going to okay. be BYU in Utah. It's going to be Cal and Saint Mary's. And it's and it's going to be uh, and it's going to be Arkansas State in life. Now, now I'm not saying those are the orders. I'm just saying that that's okay. That's what's going to happen. But in the East, there actually is an interesting dynamic between Delaware and and uh, Delaware and Dartmouth and and Penn State and um, and Kutztown and Navy. And yep. I think that those are going to be they could they could create interest in. In the east, and I think that that's. But I, I do think Army's probably a, a step above ev- everyone there. But Army Navy always. That's the thing is like Army Navy and Army Penn State can always give a uh, can always have an upset in there. And, and if there's a little upset there, that, I, I still think Army's going to make it. Whether they make it as a one or a two, uh, my my gut is that they'll make it as a one. But um, then then you're looking at uh, then you're looking at some good teams for the other spots. But I think the rest of it is an absolute foregone conclusion. I don't see anybody else beating those teams. All
0: right. Um, I've got I've got a couple of question marks on it. First of all, I I do think Army will make the playoffs, and I do think there's a chance that they'll lose a game. And I think we may end up coming down to bonus points and stuff like that because it is. Uh, Kutztown, Dartmouth, Penn State, Army, Delaware, all of them are, are in there. So that's the East has got to be thought of as the most competitive uh, conference. Meaning anybody could Me, beat anybody.
2: Meaning top to bottom. Top to bottom. They could beat each other. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that they match up well against the top teams in the other conferences Correct,
0: either. correct, right. Mid-South, just the, the way it's looked. I mean, Notre Dame is now 1-0. They beat LSU on the road as did Arkansas State, but by totally different scores. I, I just can't imagine it. In the West, I don't, I don't think Utah is a foregone conclusion right now. I think Utah is an, is an unfinished product. And I think that Arizona is maybe maybe at their best. Utah is better than Arizona, but I think Utah Arizona right now is closer to their finished product right now. So I think there's a possibility. And then you look at Arizona State, who almost beat Utah, but you know they're they're still in it. Especially if start people start beating up on each other, I don't see BYU losing at all, or even coming close to losing, or even thinking about losing. Uh, but Arizona, I think, could do something. The,
1: the swing game here is Arizona, Arizona State. If Arizona State can 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 beat Arizona,
2: then I think that
1: makes Utah more of a foregone conclusion because of the fact that they already have the win over Arizona State. But if Arizona if Arizona can beat Arizona State, and then they go into that Utah game pretty much on a level playing field, about gives Arizona a better chance. But if Arizona State can beat Arizona, then I think Utah is definitely the team to to beat.
0: Okay, well then this spells out for the west to see what's going to happen it's the next 2 weeks march 26th it's arizona state at uh, sorry arizona at arizona state and then the following weekend arizona travels to utah so the wildcats win both those games they're in tremendous position now it's going to be very very difficult and i and i think most people would pick utah to beat arizona in utah but it's it's possible if you look at what are the what big games are there? Well, that every game in the East is big, but in the West, next week Arizona against Arizona State, then the week after Arizona against Utah. I think those are very big. I think those are huge. You know game. what?
2: I I got a question for the two of you guys. Yeah, I, I agree with Pat, and I agree with you guys that yeah, the, you know that Arizona Arizona State game is big. I still think Utah's going to win, but that and it's just. that's just my opinion on it. You know, I've been wrong on this a lot, but um, one of the, one of the things like they have the playoffs up on the 7th, 14th and 21st. What about if they had like, they have a, a cup playoff to win the championship two from each. What if they had like a plate championship where the next two, so three and four places, they play the exact same crossover for like a plate championship, and I think that there may be almost like the NCAA and the NIT, um, kind of playing for for that level of championship. You know, it, it is I mean, I know there's only one champion, but it gives gives a couple extra games, and it gives it gives some of the second tier teams something to play for cuz it's it's very difficult you know you don't really know who you are relative to the other conferences unless there's more crossover down below cuz you can and be why you are the two best teams in the country okay but maybe you know maybe somebody in maybe Penn State can beat San Diego State or maybe Tennessee can beat um you know can beat Davis or whoever is going to be the team that you know what i'm saying that that's kind of what i'm what i'm if they had an extra Level of playoffs in it, maybe it'd be a little bit more interest for teams to be able to stick with it and try to make the playoffs. How about? You know this, what I mean? How about? How
1: about you? You have your national championship. You, you have your playoffs. You also have bowls that go along with it. You know, the equivalence to the college football. No, playoffs. no,
2: yeah, no. And I and I had uh, I actually had spoken about that with Tim O'Brien months ago. And and I had, no, and and that's great too. Like, yeah, just have like, hey, the the three in the East plays the three in the West for whatever bulb it is, you know, and the, 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 the two in the, the, you know, sorry, the four in the, in the, in the South plays the three in the Pacific coast or whatever it is. It doesn't really matter playing those games. I just think having those games at the end of the season with a little bit of cross pollination, just to kind of see who's who and see who, see who, see how these conferences round out against each other from a top-to-bottom standpoint. I think think it's kind of unfair to say, oh, yeah, the Pacific Coast is great. Well, no, Cal is great. You know what I mean? Right. No, I think it's a great great idea
1: because – I mean, if we're talking about, let's say, take Tennessee, for example. Yes, they want to play for a national championship every year, but in all reality, they're not playing for a national championship any year. But if you give them something to play for, say you finish third in the Mid-South, then third out of the Mid-South automatically gets to go to such-and-such such bowl against third out of the Pacific. Then you give Tennessee something to play for and something, some point of pride, and I think the more you make it worse than the teams and the middle to the bottom, the 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 more realistic you can make this league's longevity being. Because I think, and I touched on it a little bit last week, I think you're going to have trouble for some of these teams you know, deciding if it's worth it to stay in it just to lose. But if you give them a carrot on the end of the stick, be it getting to play against somebody in, in something you call a bowl or a championship of some kind um, from somewhere else in the country that they don't ever get to play, then I think that's really fantastic and it gives you the best of both worlds.
0: I think from a rugby standpoint, it's a, it's a great idea. and I, I, I Meaning i just looking at it as a as somebody who covers the game and and enjoys watching the game and following it uh really really excited at that prospect. And then you know I start thinking about what people would say saying, "Oh, it's going to be difficult because of this, because of that." Um I, I come back to the bowl idea. And I wouldn't want to call them bowl games just because I don't want to get too beholden to football, but you know whether you call them bowls or challenge matches or whatever the bowl, the the football bowl system, started out because organizations, not necessarily corporations, it was usually um, it was usually what like the orange growers, right? And it's the cotton growers uh, would sponsor that bowl to help promote their product and their local product, right? The orange bowl is supposed to get people to think that they're going to buy Florida orange juice. That's what they want people to think. So why couldn't you have these uh, these challenge matches, these bowl games, it, it, and and build on that? You know, the the CBD is supposed to garner some sponsorship interest. Well, give them something. Say, you know, you get to be the Meineke Car Care Challenge Match, Rugby Challenge Match, or something like that. The, 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 it's not only a great thing for the. The teams, but it offers an opportunity for the the league to then try and sell something for it. Then maybe they might actually be able to pay for those two teams to travel somewhere. They set it up so that game is always played, you know, in Kansas City, right, at at some place.
1: Um, I don't know about the origin of bowls, but uh, yes, I, I see where you're going. But at the same time, I think in order to get a sponsorship, you have to make it worth it to that sponsor. And I don't know that you know you're going to get anybody to televise these. I don't know that you're going to get people to travel to go to them. So I think early. I mean, that's that's eventually where you want it to end up. That you have the Meineke Car Care Challenge Match, and Meineke yeah, will pay for I, that.
0: I, I'm saying that's why that's well, one of the reasons why you want it. Right. No,
1: absolutely. I I, I agree. But I think there. I, I think there's enough in it. If there's enough in these, you know, a couple teams' bank accounts at the end of the year to travel. Um, or the desire for the kids to make that money and then go travel. So I think there's enough value in it just for the teams and just for the league and for uh, college rugby in and of itself to start right now with, with or without a, a title sponsor. But, I, yeah, I agree. I see where you're going.
0: Moving on to the one conference we didn't talk about, which is the Pacific. And, and Bruce, I know your your head's going to explode on this. So the question is, is there doubt in the Pacific? And And I say there is in terms of who's gonna make the playoffs. I don't think there's any doubt in Cal. I don't think um Cal's gonna come within uh forty five
2: points of anyone except possibly Saint Mary's. But I think you're only saying this because St Mary's got screwed in the in the Sevens Championship that is sponsored by the rugby magazine parent company. For two years in a row. You've got to be kidding if you think that anybody is going to beat St. Mary's. It's Central, not even – I mean Central, Central, Washington. Central Washington is not going to beat St. Mary's. Central Washington. Yeah, I, I hope that know. Central Washington does well all season. It's not going to – you know what? I'll bet you a beer that the next time I see you, you're going <laughs> to buy me a Budweiser light No, no, can. No, no, which no. I enjoy, and I'll buy you whatever you want, <laughs> some, some shishi beer from Seattle. Oh, man. Maybe – Mix it up with coffee, and then we can hang out and talk liberal politics in a freaking, whatever kind of coffee shop, Starbucks place that you want to go. Well, but first, for first, out, first, I will talk about manly stuff. First of all, and I, 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 I am too—I am too cool to go to Starbucks.
0: Second of all, I actually do have. Beer mixed with coffee in my fridge at this very moment. So you I didn't even I, know there
2: was such thing as that. Yeah, so it's, it's
0: actually cool. from Hawaii, but it's it's a good beer be- mixed
2: with coffee. That sounds like that. It, that it's actually very good. And they what is, what is that that super alcohol beer that they f- infuse with uh with caffeine that they made uh, illegally. No, so, the, that, that's the, loco. That, the, loco. Yeah, poor, yeah, yeah you know, right. The,
0: the, the, uh, well, the other, other
2: one is – Stay awake at the same time. That's the, a other, great.
0: the other one I have is an Icelandic beer called Skull Splitter. I always like that one too. But I I will take you up on that just because I'm intrigued at how much shame I'm going to feel by buying a Bud Light. You could even buy me a Keystone Light or a natural – Okay, Nash, I'd rather buy a Keystone Light than I would a Bud you Light.
2: You could buy me a Keystone Light. I don't care. That would be good. Is, I, it doesn't matter. I'm going to win.
0: I will. I will take you up on that bet, even though I think it is likely you will win. But I, what I'm saying is, take that I think, bet. You're going to regret <laughs> I, yeah, I think Central Washington at home could beat St. Mary's. I think that if you look at the games that are coming up, and really most of the games. I think, think if St.
2: Mary's gets into a bus accident on the way, they could beat them. Other than that, they're not going to beat them.
0: No. All right. Every game. Every game matters because everybody's involved. Everybody game matters, but you can you can narrow down some of the games that really matter. Cal St. Mary's is a is a big one, I think, in the Pacific Coast, and I think St. Mary's Central Washington is a big one, in the Pacific Coast. Those are the only two big
2: ones I see. The only That's two. You yeah, see. you're correct. You're correct. Uh, and they are and and they and they are going to be. Hey, Central Washington's playing for everything as is St. Mary's at that time. Yeah, April sixth. They're playing for everything. Yeah, exactly and uh and uh elsewhere, if we look at
0: big games that uh, you know Cal at Cent- actually Cal at central washington i don't i mean i think cal- cal's gonna win that easily. The interesting thing about that is two days before they'll
2: play to u b c so it'll be interesting. I still think that they'll win that easily. I could be I think- going out on a limb there, yeah. but I think they're gonna win that easily, yeah, I think they'll be- i can yeah. understand like the Saint Mary's angle where you know, maybe you know you're a couple injuries away from, which has happened to them in the past. Get a couple injuries, and all of a sudden they become pretty human. So, but that well, that you just part. given,
1: you just given Central Washington all the locker room postings that they need uh, <laughs> for extra
2: motivation. Dude, if they if they have to listen to me and get locker room postings about being being motivated to prepare, if they if they have to wait till they're in the locker room. To deal with Saint Mary's, they got no chance. Hopefully, the preparation is going very well from beginning to end because it's it's full out preparation that's going to win those games. Not what I say on a on a podcast, that's for certain. But,
1: yeah. but uh, in my so- short in my short experience covering college rugby, a very short experience uh there's probably no program i run into that feels more slighted and underrated than central washington and so that is a big motivating
2: factor for those guys the chip on their shoulders is huge oh sure well they they have lost in order to have a chip on the shoulder you got to knock the chip off someone else's and when they do that then all this, they'll get the respect when they win the games that's the way it goes you got to win the game you want to get the respect
0: yeah they 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 lost close games to utah and uh, which kept them out of the national playoffs and they're they're kind of a poster child for the type of team that looks at the national playoff the old national playoffs and says we're good we're better than that team we're better than that team we're better than that team and we're not there and uh and we we feel uh uh tre treased about it so um that's understandable but you're you know at some point it, it just it just comes down to the fact that you got to win the game
2: the, the game at the right time Uh, There are – In the words of Cal graduate Herman Edwards, we play to win the game. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Herman's a a great guy. I used to cover Herman when I uh, covered the Chiefs.
2: Yeah, the preacher man. And all the Jet fans called him the preacher. The other thing – this is also true in sports all
0: over every sport, that anyone who's in a tough conference will – be tempted to complain that they're in a tough conference and that uh, so-and-so is in an easy conference and they they got in and and if they if they were with us and they had to play you know the new york yankees or the or the philadelphia eagles or the vancouver canucks well it would be a totally different deal and uh you know that that, that's just the way it is that we
1: it was up to some of the coaches in, in the northeast d2 league they would uh they would probably get half the seed in the division
0: 2 competition. Sure. Sure, that's part that's part of the, the not only do we want to say that um we're the best that our that our whole region is the best. We need we need more seeds, but
2: I but you have to, well, I don't know if you have to. I Oh no, no, you know, you you look at like there's, there's advantages and disadvantages to being in a tough conference. When you're in a tough conference, it's easier to recruit. So you get better players. Disadvantage you don't get the automatic seed, but when you get it, you get a great draw. So there's advantages and disadvantages to it, and we see it in the NCAA tournament in basketball. There's tons of upsets. I mean, are there? Uh, you know, there's enough upsets to make the, you know teams from the Big East go home, and teams from the Big Ten go home, and all you hear them all season oh, you know we're playing in such a tough conference. We, hey, you know what? You chose to play in it. Nobody else, nobody, nobody put you there. You chose to be there. And if somebody in the college premier division on the Pacific coast wants to join the Eastern conference, they can join. It just costs a lot of money to do it. If these teams will have you, you can join them. It doesn't, you know, nobody, nobody relegated you into an area. Notre Dame is playing in the Southern conference. You know, that's what they're doing. So, cause they wanted to be part of it. That's the way I look at it. Hey, if you complain about it, then go play somewhere else. Otherwise, you want to save some money? Well, then stay where you are and shut your mouth and win your games. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, are You yeah, about okay. things that you can't control. No, that's true. You, that's what losers do. If you're gonna, you worry about things you can't control. That's that's the sign of that's the sign of you can almost guarantee they're gonna lose.
0: On the 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 rest of the season, this weekend we have actually a big weekend because a lot of teams come back from spring break. You know, I think that there are a lot of games that are – I don't know, big games, interesting games this weekend. We talked about Arizona at Arizona State. Uh, Cal at St. Central Washington, OK, uh, of some interest there in the sense that you know, we don't really think Cal could be tripped up. But I suppose conceivably if they were to be tripped up, this is one of the two games where they would be. Uh, and in the east, Army at Down. Dartmouth at Penn State, Rutgers at Navy. So, those are all three games that we're all looking at the up in the air East as to what's going to happen. Um, Pat, you first, then Bruce. Give me on those three games Army at Cutsdown, Dartmouth at Penn State, Rutgers at Navy. What do you think is going to happen?
1: Oh, boy, on the spot. Um, I'm going to take Army on the road over Cutstown. I. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to, um, because uh Goodstown's obviously gonna be upset after that loss, but I I I've got to. I think Army's just too good. Um Dartmouth and Penn State. Um, you know, I'm gonna take Dartmouth. I'm gonna take them on the road. Um Penn State got their win and uh they too feel slighted by a lot of people. Um but uh you know it, I like Dartmouth a lot. Um and so I'm gonna take them in a narrow, narrow win. And I, I'm not a thousand percent confident on that, but uh I do like Dartmouth. And and maybe partially because uh I say it seems like Bruce doesn't. And then I'll take Navy, obviously, over, over Rutgers. I know it seems like it would be uh, uh, an easy pick to a lot of people, but, uh, you know, after this week, seeing just seeing that Rutgers is, is legit and can score some points. But you guys talked a little bit earlier. And, you know, Navy, we're talking about how good life is. Navy only lost a life 31-17 to 17 in Charlotte, where both teams have to travel. This wasn't, you know, this wasn't in, in Annapolis. So I think Navy might be a team that uh, – might be a little bit more powerful than than people are giving them credit for, so I'm going to take Navy and Navy in a big win over Rutgers, and, and probably in a win that looks an awful lot like Army's win over Rutgers.
2: I I would have to say that I would figure that Army will will beat Cutstown on the road, but although Cutstown is a pretty difficult place to play, and what do Penn State? I, I I mean I think Navy's going to I think Navy's going to Give Rutgers everything that they they can handle and more, and I don't think that's going to be a close game at all. And then the Penn State Dartmouth game, I, I generally tend to side with home teams, and there's more Xavier kids at Penn State, um, <laughs> so uh, I'm going to pick Penn State, and and that doesn't uh, doesn't mean that I don't love Dartmouth and Mags and all those guys, but I just I I I, I think that going on the road and winning at Penn state is going to be a difficult ask. Although Dartmouth did have, they had quite a bit of time to prepare themselves for this game. So we'll see what happens. I
0: like, I like Penn state in that game. And, uh, I, I'm not too worried about defending mags one way or the other. I, I think Penn state's going to win at home and Navy's going to win at home. And, and you know what? I'll take down. How about that? I'll take down against army and see what happens. Uh, switching gears for a little bit because i'll tell you if if
2: kutztown if kutztown beats army that opens that league up big time
0: completely yeah yeah suddenly it's a it's a complete mess and and then we'll be working on tiebreakers and i think very possibly after this weekend anyway we should make sure we nail down all the tiebreakers down to um you know if if your head-to-head your head-to-head was a tie and everything then then what happens so um uh we'll have to check on that. And we'll get back to you next week on the tiebreakers. Finally, guys, we we talked a little bit about this. Um, if we were to pick an all-college premier team, and obviously we're only a couple of weeks into it, but I'm curious about some names that are being bandied about. Uh, if, if you had a couple of names that you think should be on
2: there. Bruce, we'll start with you. All right. Seamus Kelly, center from Cal, um, Matt Crawford from St. Mary's, Andrew Cook from St. Mary's, um, uh, then I would, I would, uh, Dustin Munn from Cal. Um, I'm not super familiar with the guys from, not super familiar with the guys from BYU. and, 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 and life has a life has a lot of talented players. Most of them are pretty young, and I think that they're going to be able to. I think that they're going to be able to. To uh, I, I can't say Alex. I can't say that I know the. I can't say that I know these teams from video enough to really to to make a to make a complete statement about who should be on those. teams. No, I do. I, I, just, I don't think I, it's uh, time to do that. I, yeah, I. I mean, you know. Like I look at, I look at a guy like Seamus Kelly as being a, a top player and, and Dustin Mon And I, and I look at, and, and I look at, 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 Cook and Crawford and, and I, uh, I think the St. Mary's front row is pretty, pretty solid and, and Nick Wallace. And, and, and so we'll see, I, but we'll see how the St. Mary's front row holds up against the Cal front row. St. Mary's that that's, those are going to be, those are going to be big things to try to figure out. And, Honestly, until these until these teams are really playing, all you know, Will Holder from Army is playing outside center. I, you know, I I just Jimmy Kowalski from Delaware. Um, so, I, but I just don't know who who's who and and how they match up against each other because it really hasn't been a lot of big games outside of Penn State versus Kutztown game with two. Teams who were challenging for playoff spots, play against each other well, outside I guess BYU, Utah did that, so and I just, but I just don't know the BYU players, so I couldn't really no, tell no. You. So Pat, what do you think?
1: Well, coming barying off of his lack of knowledge of BYU I've seen BYU play you know multiple times, seen them play live. Um, and probably if I'm starting a team uh, and we're doing a fantasy draft. I'm quite possibly picking Ryan Roundy, their number eight, as my number one overall, um, just because I mean that guy runs like an, a rhinoceros. He's hard to tackle. He's the hardest runner I can see, and and that's a tough pick because I like Taylor Mokate a lot from Oklahoma. I've seen him play live several times, but uh, Ryan Roundy uh, might be my favorite player in the nation. You know what?
2: Life. You know what, Pat? That's really good. Ryan Roundy's actually played for brother, so. Uh... But yeah, he, he Blake has told me about him for several years, and, and yeah, that kid that kid is is first class. So that, I agree with um, you. There. I agree with you there, my man.
1: Um, another the, the, the fly half, I, I I like Sean Gallinger. I think he stepped in well for uh, Keegan Engelbrecht. Um The 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 centers is tough to pick because there are a lot of great centers all over the place. But I, I, I think it'd be hard to leave the, uh, the cap-teagle threat and Palamo off of there. I know he's only going to play a limited number of games. Um, but if I'm picking an, an all-CPD uh, team, I think I've got to have him on there. I like Jared Whippy, the freshman uh, center from BYU. I know he's just a freshman, but uh, a fantastic one, and, and he really completes them. And he's one of the main reasons I think BYU might be poised to knock off Cal this year. Up front, I like Nardis Wessels at Hooker. Um, Danny Barrett. Also is it is it Danny? I, I get the Barrett brothers confused yes,
0: which, D- one's which. D- Uh Neil Barrett is the is the hooker. So
1: I like I like I like Wessels and I like Neil Barrett and, and Hooker. I those are both really good players. Um Mikey Sua, I like get uh I like the tight head. Uh I know he plays loose head, um, but I, I like the big uh, proper and I'll put him in I'll put him at either loose or tight, and so I'll take him as well. And then Viliami Dumahi, another BYU Cougar, who's very, very good. And then I keep hearing great things about uh, Chris Parker from A and M um, from uh, their opposing, you know, coaches. So I like him as well. And then you know, if I, <laughs> after Ryan Roundy, a guy who I really enjoy to watch play, who plays. Just hard-nosed rugby and 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 this constantly giving hundred percent effort. I like Rowan Evans a lot from Arkansas State as well.
0: Okay, so the, those are all great names. And this is this. Uh, I, there's a method to my madness. I've got a bunch of names too. I wrote down uh, the first one. I wrote down was Ryan Roundy. The second one I wrote down was uh, Andrew Cook. So I'm I'm on the wavelength with you guys. Uh, a number of those those ones. The the one and, I, and I'm I'm sorry if I missed it there with that that machine gun delivery. Uh, Pat Don Potty, at scrum half. Don Patio nope. or Sean, Sean Davis at, at Scrum Half, and the, the Scrum Half is uh, – that's, that's a big thing. But we concent- – the thing is we end up concentrating on different positions. We get a few front row guys, and we start – when I wrote down players that I think should be uh, possibly considered, I go Tom Rook, Ryan Roundy, uh, Garrett Lambert, Joe Brophy, Cam Dolan, Derek Aspen, Roland Evans, Danny Barrett. Now those are all great players, and they're all loose forwards. And Vimahi is a loose forward as well. We And and every every time that I talk to a, a coach, almost every time I say, well, who played well? I'm always getting a number eight or a seven, sometimes a six, but almost always a loose forward. And we talk about backs and we start going Palamo, Kelly, Brett Thompson, Hunter Leland, Blaine Scully. I'm getting overwhelmed with centers now. But what I don't get are a lot of front row guys. And I think um, uh, Maricelli from Life, uh, Jake Mitzel from Arkansas State, Camden Bird, Utah—they may be uh, uh, possibilities as well. And what we really don't hear about—and I think this is a this may be a comment generally throughout in, in American rugby—it's certainly a problem as I see it in college rugby—is we don't hear any second rows. And I can give you a few guys: Chase Jardine, who's really a number eight, but he, but he's six five, and I I think if he he Pans out anyway. Probably pans out second row. Mark Bonham at BYU, Caleb Tracy uh, at at Kutztown, Drew Heyer at Cal, Chris Parker at A&M, who should be a second row, but I think they're playing him probably at eight, and and the, at six. they're playing at six. Okay, and that what happens is that if you have a really great, a guy who pans out as possibly a second row, a test second row or an All American second row. That means that he's faster than every other second row. He's big and tall. He's probably got great hands. Why the heck are you putting him in, at lock? You can probably survive in your scrum without him at lock, so you put him at eight or six, don't you? So I think I, – I, I'm just saying there's a big old hole in the engine room, and I actually think that we we also didn't talk about fly half that much. Dylan Luba, um, uh, Joe Baker, Penn State. Uh, we talked about Gallinger, Bales also, uh, two, two – two fly halves at Cal, um, you know, I, I, I just, th- I just think that there are interesting holes in that. And we, we haven't, we haven't picked a team, uh, but uh, as, as the, the man who knows everything type five, Bruce, what do, do you, do you see that too? The idea that you're not, it, it's hard to track good young second rows because if you have a good young second row, you stick him at eight or
2: six. No, I actually like putting second rows at second row. It it depends on how quick they are, and in general, in general, you want to have you want to have your second row be able to cover in the back row. Just just because when you're coming off the bench, it you, you gives you a little bit more flexibility if a guy's able to cover back row and second row, at least one of them. So, or or at least be a jumper. One of the reasons I like to have a a real. Second row at second row, or even a tough guy, a good athlete, a guy like Cam Dolan, or or even a Garrett. Lance. Garrett's a little bit too too slight for that, but but a guy like a Cam Dolan is that in your first breakdown. Say you say you're coming from a scrum. That first breakdown is generally going to be hit by your seven and your eight, maybe hit by maybe hit by your one of your onside locks. But usually seven and eight and two backs will, will jump into that first breakdown. That next hit around. <clears throat> If it's if it's a little bit slower ball, or it will probably go to your five, one of your locks, or your number six. Then that next hit around will be supported by your front row. So I, I look to have balance in in the front row, meaning, you know, you kind like the England back row in O three had had really tremendous balance, it ball carrying ability, line out jumping ability, uh, grafting ability, and then a flyer. I like to have that balance in the front row and I like to have that balance in the back row. And I like the second rows to really be ball winners. So I, I prefer to have second rows who are second rows because we, we, you'll, you'll use them for carrying. They're, they're critical for winning restarts and they're critical for winning lineouts. And, and a lot of the things like people don't realize that restarts really create momentum in a game. If you get scored on and you could kick the ball, and re-win that ball 30, you know, 35 yards from their goal line, you have a lot of forward momentum, probably will score off it. If you score and they kick a nice kick and you're able to go up and gather that, you really shut down a lot of momentum on a team. So quality second rows are, are, are Im- imperative to playing good rugby. So I like to put – Second rows at second row, when I'll be more willing to take another guy and put him in the back row. But that's I, just yeah, my, that's I, my philosophy. I, I, I,
0: think it's a good philosophy. I just, I'm just don't see it. I, I, I so many times I, I'm asking for.
2: Well, all right. In, you know, in, in fairness, I, I in fairness, all right. There's a, um, there's a kid, Sean Carley, who plays for St. Mary's. Just recently got injured. He's a Xavier kid. His little brother plays on the JV team with on my, that I coach and. So I – one of my best friends, Timmy Walsh, who's the head coach of the team, wants Carly at eight. And I want Carly at proper – I want him at proper six because I want to use him as a carrier. He wants to use him as a carrier from the base, and I don't think that you get as much bang for the buck as a – getting a guy who's a carrier from the base as you do get as a guy who's a carrier from six – four or five or from the front row. If you can get quality carries out of your front row or quality carries out of your second row, that makes your team very, very potent. That's just my thought on it. You know, like, and I'm not saying like, we've got, we've played at the AC where we haven't had great carriers in the back row. You know, usually we'll have one. Now, now we have a couple more, but usually we'll have one and, and then, and then we'll we'll generally get carries out of the front row, but now we don't get as many out of the front row because partly she's gotten a little bit older and he's not as uh not as much of a carry threat. But that that's just that's kinda how I, I don't know. I it's just the way I think about it. I try to think in terms of who's hitting this ruck, who's hitting this ruck, where's this guy gonna be, how are we gonna win the line out, when we win the line out, what are we gonna do with it? That didn't answer your question one goddamn no, thing. No not at all. But the
0: the 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 the, the, the thing I'm I'm getting at is and you're, you're in there somewhere is that it, even at the college level still if we're looking for populating an all-american team or a usa selects team or a usa national team we and and we want a tight five we're not always having to look at the tight five positions as they are in their own club and you look you look at the current usa you look at the current usa national team and uh in the front row, Phil Teal and Sean Pittman in the second row or second row, back row, um, Lou Stanfill, Scott LaValla, Nick Johnson, uh, Todd clever. All of those guys played number eight in high school, every single one. And, and Scott LaValla, who doesn't necessarily pan out as an eight for the national team, continues to play eight for his team in Ireland or sometimes six, and and we and we do that all over the place. And we sit there and say, who are we going to make to be – who is our best? Who is our all-American team? I would imagine that our all-American selectors are probably looking at a pool of about 15 number eights and saying, which ones can we put in lock? And how many specialist locks are there who we say, wow, they're great? Well, maybe five or six or seven, not, not as many. And I just think it's interesting, and I think we'll run into it. Now, we could be wrong. So, the challenge out to all those coaches is the next time one of us calls and says, "Who played a good game?" go look for a tight five guy, go look for a hooker for that matter as a former hooker. We don't hear the hookers that much because if if your hooker didn't throw crooked, you're just happy he didn't throw crooked, and you're not not worried about anything else.
1: Well, I think That's a lot of any- coaches talk about their tight five as their tight five. Oh well, my tight five played well. my pack played well. They don't yeah. distinguish who within that played well,
2: yeah. Well to, and and, to like and, and you talking about but an Pat, offensive line. Pat, the reason that they don't distinguish who played well is that they all need each other in order to perform their their job. Like you sure, could be I, a great ball carrier and that's an isolated thing. He hits a hole, he busted a tackle. As a tight five, if your hooker or your loose head prop decides that he's gonna go do his own thing, then everybody else looks screwed up in the scrum. If your are no, you know, I, if one I, of your guys miss, I, slips slips a call then, you, you know, you don't win that line
1: out. I'm not, listen, I'm not complaining because coaches don't sing a lot of those players. They, they, they talk about them as a group, and just the way they talk about an offensive line as a group, and I think that's fine. I, I'm okay with it, and I think you know, as an offensive lineman and a Type 5 member, I take pride in it. It's okay to be the, the, the silent, you know, group that makes things go. I think that there's a certain amount of pride people take in that.
0: Well, uh, we're, we're, we're certainly not the the silent type here in the show uh that does wrap it up uh, we've got a lot more to talk about in terms of who's playing well and what the big games are uh but that does it for show number three of the Rugga matrix college edition and i am alex Gough from rugbymag.com with pat clifton and bruce McLean. thanks guys for being on the show and we will see you next week